0: are listening to the Batflip podcast a baseball podcast from Belly Up sports and the belly up podcast Network. Here are your hosts Damien and Matt
1: welcome back everyone to the Batflip podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-host Matt. We are coming to you on January 26th uh, you know it's a, it's been a crazy day today as far as being the one year anniversary of uh, the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Jonna, and seven others. In that helicopter crash. So I just want to say, you know, prayers out to all those families. And, and just it's been a hard day for, for a lot of sports fans around the world. But, uh, you know, we're going to try to make this brighten your day up a little bit and uh, come to you with some baseball news. But before we jump into that, how are you doing,
0: Matt? Doing all right. Doing all right. And, uh, you know, you had that. That's, that's, that's tough. And we've had a tough week, too, losing Hank Aaron. Um, oh, yeah. A, uh, legendary. Atlanta Braves home run hitter Milwaukee Braves slash Atlanta Braves home run hitter. And, uh, you know, great guy, great ambassador for the game. We have such a long episode today. I could talk for an hour about Hank Aaron, but, uh, just wanted to briefly mention it for a minute. Um, you know, 755 home runs, um, you know, by many people still the all time home run King because of the controversy surrounding Barry Bonds. Um, and you know, when he broke the home run record back in, um, in the seventies when with, uh, hit seven, seven fifteen, Um, you know, that was one of the defining moments of not only the Braves franchise and, and baseball, but the city of Atlanta and, and the uh, entire country. I mean, that was a moment that, you know, everyone came together to see that was cheering for him and what a great, great ambassador for the game, a great guy. And, uh, you know, we've heard him heard to talk a lot on, on broadcasts and stuff the last several years you know i'm a little too young to have remembered him playing but um i wasn't around then but you know just um uh, you know really really sad to, to see that uh you know it's very tough still the all-time leader in rbis in major league baseball history so just an absolute legend of the game that we lost this week
1: yeah it's a it's a, a big big loss for the for the game of baseball you know we've this this year twenty twenty one hasn't started very great for the legends as well. And, yeah, Don Sutton know, like, and
0: Hank you know, Aaron and Tommy
1: Lasorda and I mean, like you said, you you have so many people that you know you can go on for an hour on this episode alone about Hank Aaron, which you know we might come back to that in another episode at a future time just because we've had so many moves happen this week that we just don't have the sheer time to to dive into Hank Aaron the way he deserves. Yes, um, absolutely. So so that that will be something we circle back to. I I will make a note so we can do that. Um you know, but but just jumping in so we can we can hammer through all this stuff and not take too much time. But the uh the Blue Jays, they decided to just do all their free agency in one week. Um, they have signed Kirby Yates to a one-year $5.5 million deal. They signed George Springer, which we alluded to you know, at the end of last episode. They signed him to a six-year $150 million deal. And then just today, they ended up signing Marcus Simeon to a one-year $18 million deal. Um, and the plan is to move Simeon to second base and move uh, Kevin Biggio over to third base. Yeah, these are some uh,
0: crazy moves here. Um, George Springer, probably, uh, you know, he arguably the biggest hitter out of the, uh, out of this class, free agency, Um, you know, you could argue real Muto is the most important position player. Um, And Springer honestly has a case for the biggest free agent signing. I I think Trevor Bauer probably is number one, but Springer is a really, really good player. Um, He's a three-time all-star, a two-time silver slugger, the 2017 world series MVP. He's only 31 years old. He's a career 270, 361, 491 hitter with a 134 WRC plus and 26.6 wins above replacement. Uh, so, this is a really good player. Um, 2019 it was his best career season. He hit 292 with a 383 own base at a five ninety one slugging, hit thirty nine home runs, put up six point five wins above replacement, which is a fan phenomenal number. Um, you know, almost mvp level numbers there. And then uh this past year he wasn't quite as good, but he was still pretty good. He had a slow start, but uh ended up with a uh, two sixty five average five or three fifty nine own base, five forty slugging, uh put up almost two wins above replacement in the short sixty game season. So uh, Springer, um, uh, definitely the headliner, uh, one of the headliners of this free agent class. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to do very well, you know, in, in Toronto, you know, for the, at least for the first few years, you know, depending on his health and aging, how he ages at 31 years old. Um, you brought in, they brought in Kirby Yates who, um, you know, 2019 all-star his last full season. He was phenomenal. 119 ERA and a 3.4 wins above replacement season for a reliever incredible. Uh, His career, 354 ERA, 339 uh, FIP, with, um, you know, over 12 and a half strikeouts per nine and just three walks per nine in his career. Uh, Very good. He had an elbow surgery that kept him out of most of the season last year, but it wasn't Tommy John. I think you said uh, bone spurs, right?
1: Yeah, he had some bone spurs in his pitching elbow.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, 33 years old, um, you know, depending on his health, uh, now, you know, those bone spurs could be something that you know, lasts and stuff. But, um, you know, one year, $5.5 million deal. It's pretty cheap. Um, and Springer, obviously, I, I forgot to mention his six year $150 million deal for Springer, which seems about right for him. Um, and then Simeon, um, who put, had an absolutely superb 2019 season in Oakland. Um, he's a career 270 hitter with a 361 own base and uh, 491 slugging, so very solid. Oh, sorry, that was Springer's line. Uh, Simeon's line, a career 254 hitter, 322 on base, 425 slugging, uh, which is still an above average hitter. Um, You know, almost 19 wins above replacement. 2019, 285, 369, 522 with a 140 WRC plus and a 7.6 wins above replacement season that put him third place in MVP voting. That was his age 28 season which was superb this past year. He, he wasn't quite as good. Uh, he kind of came along a little bit at the end of the season, um, dealt with some injuries last year, kind of nagging injuries, not, not, not necessarily, you know, things that kept him out for the whole season or anything, but, um, he signed a one year, $18 million deal. So, um, they're owing, there's going to be owed a pretty good bit of money this year, but you know, if he doesn't recapture his form, you know, it's not a super risky contract because he'll you know be able to walk after that. So, um, uh, it's a very solid week for the Blue Jays for sure. Yeah, Kirby
1: Yates. I mean, I just want to hit on each of these guys a little bit. You yeah. Know, Kirby Yates. When, when he uh, when he got traded to the Padres, that's really when his career turned around. Um, you know, you look at his his years before that. He had a 7.97 ERA, a 5.23. The year he was traded, he had a uh, 3.97, and then 2018, 2019, when he became uh, or when he his first full seasons with the Pir- or Padres. He had a 214 ERA and then a 119, or a 119 um, ERA. So, you know, he, he turned into one of the game's best relievers um, after that trade. So, you know, he, he used, started using a splitter a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's a big deal for the Blue Jays who mm-hmm. desperately needed a back end of the bullpen type guy. And if Kirby Yates can be anything like he was 2018, 2019, that's going to be a huge, huge pickup for, you know, only $5.5 million for the Blue Jays. Um, Semyon, you know, like you said, he had his career year in 2019. Uh, he started his career with the White Sox, and, you know, they weren't sure he was going to stick at shortstop. And then once he got to the athletics, he turned into a very, very good defensive shortstop. That was one of the things that the White Sox were very afraid of, is that he wasn't going to be a very good defender. You know, and then you look at, you know, 2018, he had a 15.6, you know, 15.6 grade at shortstop and then a 14.1 this year was a 4.4 so very well on track for that same amount um as you said he struggled this year but in the playoffs he was really really good i don't have his exact playoff stat line up but i do remember a point where he went like like seven straight at bats or something with either getting a hit or a walk or something in the playoffs so he started heating yep. up a little bit towards that time
0: Yeah. You know, on, on your point on Simeon, uh, with his defense, he he really has turned into one of the best defenders. He was a gold glove finalist in uh, 2019. But, um, I think it's crazy back when he first got traded to Oakland, um, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, he led the American League in errors, like his first yeah. year there or something like he he really has worked extremely hard on his game and improved on his consistency playing shortstop too. you know, just something to add. You know, there's definitely a, a, a good amount of makeup there and a work ethic for him. So that's no, something that's yeah. pretty impressive.
1: No, yeah, you're absolutely right. When he came over in 2015, he led the American League, or it, may, it might even been the a lot majors. Might have been the majors, yeah. Um, in air's, and now he's turned into a Gold Glove finalist and, and an MVP candidate, you know, in 2019. So, you know, 2020 was supposed to be a big year for him, but like you said, he battled some nagging injuries and he started off slow. And you know, with it only being a, a short season, you you don't get a full a full view of what a player really is. Um, as far as Springer goes, you know, he might be one of the most undervalued parts of that Astros dynasty run that they had. Um, you know, he he pretty much, he, he's a better player when you put him in that leadoff role and let him just do his thing. Um, you know, and, and he once he was setting the, the to- tone for that lineup in, in Houston, they were a different lineup, really. I mean, at times he would carry this entire team on his back, especially, like, if you saw the 2017 World Series. He he, he did a lot of that work. Um, you know, his defense is starting to dip, which we talked about. He might not stick in center field. Um, but as a hitter, I mean, to go into that lineup with where we're talking about young guys like Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel, you know, Vlad Jr., um, Teoscar Hernandez even somewhat, and if, if they just put him at the top of that lineup and he helps settle, you know, them all down and set a tone for that lineup, you know that that's going to be very very scary that Toronto team was already a really good team kind of as we thought up and coming adding a, a player like George Springer and now Marcus Simeon, even into that lineup you know if Simeon can return to his 20 uh you know 2019 form that's going to be a very very formidable team this next season
0: yeah i think they're going to be very good as well and um you know uh, one thing to add on Springer i think you know when it comes to his overall game in you know in uh in uh, Houston, I think he was their best, most consistent position player for the entire, for their entire run of going to the world series and everything. Uh, you know, cause there's, there's guys, I mean, Correa was good, and, but he wasn't always good. And, uh, you know, Bregman obviously came on the last couple of years, but you know, he wasn't there the whole time. And, Springer's kind of been that consistent guy for them, and he's gonna. That's gonna hurt the Astros losing that consistent piece that has been there for the entire time, you know.
1: Absolutely, they're they're gonna need. Amber um,
0: Altuve being there. Altuve, you can't forget about him, but.
1: Yeah, they're gonna need Kyle Tucker to really step up big. Absolutely. Um, which we'll, talk, we'll talk a little bit more about the Astros in this episode because they they did make a move um, this week as well. Yep. Um, but let's hit on one of the smaller signings this week. We're not gonna spend too much time on it but uh catcher Austin Romine signed a one- year 1.5 million dollar deal with the Cubs um you know we, we were looking before the show started he's not that great of a player I mean his career slash line is a 239 batting average .278 278 on base a 361 slugging percentage you know he's a for his career he's a 0.2 war guy so he's right around league average you know replacement level we should say um he's going to be a backup catcher most likely for this team. Um, not anything that's going to be too special for them, you know, and, and he, one thing he did cite was that his enthusiasm to go play for David Ross.
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I didn't even think about that. Cause this guy's kind of similar ish to David Ross. He's a but definite backup catcher could be a clubhouse leader. He's been, you know, in the big leagues a long time. I mean, there's not too much to say about his, you know, his play. I mean, he's a veteran, Defensive-minded catcher that will slot into the backup catcher role that Victor Caratini was in before they traded him. Uh, you know, just a 239 hitter, 278 on base, 361 slugging for his career. Um, backup catcher, and that's absolutely fine. You know, for that for that price. So um, we'll move on now uh, to the next signing. That's a little bit bigger. Uh, maybe not the biggest one we had this week, but it, it's a pretty good one. Uh, a guy who at one time was. One of the hottest pitchers in baseball, and Jose Quintana, um, he signed a one-year, eight-million-dollar deal with the Angels. Uh, he's 32-year-old, uh, 2016 All-Star. He actually uh, he has a, a 3.73 career ERA, 28.3 career wins above replacement. Um, he actually put up four-plus wins above replacement four straight seasons, which is considered you know All-Star level, uh, four straight seasons. So you know he only had that one All-Star appearance, but he was really an All-Star level pitcher much longer than that, mostly on some bad White Sox teams. But uh, the last four seasons, um, a four-plus ERA uh, with a, uh, you know, this past season dealt with injuries and only pitched 10 innings. So um, this is an interesting signing, and I like it for the Angels. This is a pretty good uh, buy-low type player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jose Quintana was always going to have to live up to a a big – you know, big task because he was a part of that Eloy, uh, him and his trade from the white Sox to the Cubs. Um, so he was always going to be expected to, you know, play much, much higher level than what people would think because Eloy was such a stud prospect. Um, and I think even Dylan cease was in that deal as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? so that,
0: it was Eloy and Dylan cease for, yeah. So, and, so uh, he, I think, I think there was another guy, I think there maybe a reliever came with him too, or something, but still
1: maybe, um, you know, but he was always expect he's always gonna have to live up to that hype for the Cubs. And and you know, he was decent, but he was never even what he was with the White Sox really. Um but but for the Angels, you know, we've talked much about them needing a pitcher that can really go out and take the ball every fifth day and not worry about injuries. You know, you have Andrew Heaney, you have Griffin Cannon, you have Shohei Otani, you have guys that like that who are are decent and, and they can be good major leaguers but they just are inconsistent with injuries or inconsistent, you know, within their development so far, you know, and, and Quintana before this season, I mean, you look 32 starts 30 or 31 starts 32, 32, 32, 32, like he's just consistent about taking the ball basically every fifth day going out there and doing, you know, a a major league average around a four ERA. I mean, that, that's going to be big for this team. And if, you know, he can help, bump them up a little bit get you know lower that era a little bit down he's maybe pitching in more pitcher-friendly ballparks and you know against a couple worse teams and in uh, the mariners and the rangers a little bit more often you know it, it could be a solid signing for the angels and you know maybe they can use him as to go get a uh, another starting pitcher and use him as a two to three guy instead of a one to two guy so
0: yeah that's i think it's a um uh you know solid move here i mean they're basically replacing julio tehran with jose quintana and i don't think there's too many people that would uh complain too much about that in in la yeah so um one more uh pitcher that signed the exact same deal (laughs) as jose quintana um but this pitcher signed with the twins it's actually a 38 year old J.A. Happ who um you know has been with the yankees last couple years with 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 the blue jays for a while um he's um you know, I, I think I have had underappreciated what J.A. Happ has done in his career. Um, his career has a sub-4 ERA, 398, uh, 21.4 wins above replacement, um, and actually has had a sub-4 ERA five out of the last six years, even though his um, peripherals don't especially support that every year. Uh, the problem that he had was a miserable 2019 that ended up, uh, I think, you know, hurting his um, – you know hurting his reputation a little bit but uh you know he's, he's a fine pitcher to bring in on a short on a one-year deal a 38 year old veteran to anchor that rotation so um i'm uh i would definitely be uh happy with this if i was the twins you know you bring in a veteran guy he's not going to be counted on to be your ace you got there. maeda there uh um, and jose burrios i mean uh you know got a couple other guys that are you know just fine as pitchers so um you know maybe he replaces like Jaco de rizzi type role yeah, um Yeah Absolutely but, you know number 3 number 4 type guy uh so uh I think this is a fine move for the uh for the for the Twins
1: Yeah like you said I was going to say absolutely he's going to fill in basically what Jaco de Rizzi was um but from the left side instead of the right side you know you look at 2015 361 ERA 2016 318 2017 353 2018 365 you talked about his 2019 where he had a blow up a 491 but 2020 rebounded to a, a 347 and and all that's in the AL East where he's gonna be, he was facing the Red Sox he was facing the Yankees the Rays the Blue Jays the, uh, Orioles all of those are really hitter-friendly ballparks really um, and now you're gonna go to the AL Central where you know you're gonna be facing the Indians and and the White, or not the White Sox, the uh, the Tigers. And well, the you will Royals. be facing the White Sox, but well, that might be tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say the White Sox are a lot better than that, what I was thinking. But you're going to be facing the Royals, you're going to be facing the Tigers, you're going to be facing the Indians. Like You're going to be facing these teams who are either in the middle of a rebuild or kind of starting one off, you know, in the Indians' case. So I, I think it's going to be a really solid signing, somebody that's going to be able to help them stabilize as well, um, you know, and get some lefty. Because because their top three guys have been righties for quite a while, so they've kind of struggled to find a left-hander. You know, they signed like Rich Hill last year, but he, you know, was injury-prone and didn't get to uh, to pitch much. So, Jay Happ, I think it's going to be a very very good signing for the uh, for the Twins and underrated probably for eight million. Um, you know, when we look back next year, we might say that. Um, but we'll go on ahead and move on to our next deal. Um, it's another smaller deal uh, for another catcher, but that's Jason Castro. Signs with the Astros for two years, $7 million. Uh kind of going back to the team that he spent most of his career with. You know, he was with them from 2010 through 2016. Uh, he ended up leaving them right before they went to the World Series, which we were kind of talking about beforehand. He had been there for all those bad years and then left right as they go to the World Series. But he's, you know, if you look at his slash line, it's not that great. It's kind of close to what um Andrew Rome or Austin Romine's was was a 230 uh, batting average 312 on base 390 slugging you know but he's a very good defensive catcher he's very good at framing um very good at throwing runners out and just very good at calling the game and keep, keeping pitchers you know in in line
0: yeah that, i think you hit it on castro there he he's a solid catcher um you know, is a good defender. Um, you know, he spent some time in other places, a year in Minnesota, a year in uh, Los Angeles with the Angels. Um, so, but, you know, when it comes to his career in Houston, he had a couple years where he did hit pretty well. Um, you know, he, he wasn't, he's never been a, you know, an elite type hitter or anything, but he, you know, he's not a terrible hitter. Um especially against right-handed pitching. He's a guy who's, I think for his career, has always had some pretty big platoon splits, but, um, you know, he's been an inconsistent hitter, but, uh, you know, that's not to say he can't do it anymore. Uh, And then, um, you know, you look at the guy, you want to bring in another catcher, you know, the the Astros have had, you know, a little bit of a revolving door there the last few years, ever since McCann, you know, left in free agency, went back to Atlanta and, you know, eventually retired. You know, they haven't really had a catcher that stuck for a long time long period of time so uh but it, it's a i think it's a solid move there with castro um and while we're on the topic a uh, guy i think is an even more solid move um is uh michael brantley who re-signed with the astros after um a bizarre you know time where they reported that he was going to blue, toronto and then the report said oh wait he's not uh, and then they were like he is and then he's not well he signed with the astros again, on a two-year, $32 million deal. Um, you know, he's 33 years old, four-time All-Star. Um, he's actually been to the All-Star, he's actually went to the All-Star game three straight years, 17, 18, 19. Of course, this year, we didn't have an All-Star game. So um, it could have been four straight with the way he played this year. Um, and he's a career 297 hitter, 354 on base, 440 slugging, uh, 117 WRC plus, 25 and a, a third uh, wins above replacement in his career. Pretty solid numbers there and uh, he's actually put up 9.1 wins above replacement combining the last three seasons uh, with a 125 WRC plus and plus uh, or, or higher in the last three seasons. And uh, that 9.1, that includes the shortened season this year where he was killing it. So, uh, you know, that number would have been higher if we had a full season this year.
1: Yeah, when, you know, me and Matt were talking before the show and, um, you know, we talked about how in those years where he was with the Indians, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, he was, I mean, he was very, very good. He was looking like one of the mo- uh, the young up-and-coming hitters, the better hitters in the game. And then 2015, he was really, really good as well, but then he got injured. And that just continued on for the next two seasons in 2016, 2017. And it kind of seemed like, you know, we'd said, people kind of forgot about Michael Brantley or or what he could be because of those injuries and then he you know he comes back 2018 has a very another very good year signs with the astros and then has two very good seasons as well you know all-star level seasons like you have said so this is a very very underrated deal uh, you know brantley he's not going to be he's not going to hit you a ton of home runs i mean 22 was his highest number um he's got he's got that a little bit more as the his careers come you know later on but that could be because of the juiced baseball or or launch angle or whatever but he's one of the best hitters at making contact like and he just puts the ball or the bat on the ball consistently he does not strike out that that much at all
0: yeah he he reminds me of if if nick marcakis was at his best for, uh, for a long period of time that's what michael brantley reminds me of he's a good doubles hitter hits gap to gap um you know he's just a really good overall player puts the ball in play gives you a good at bat every time Um, low strikeout rate. You know, he walks pretty good bit, good on base. You know, I think he's a very good player. Um, And then um, for the Astros, I mean, those two moves that I think, you know, the Astros, I don't know if too many people expect them to be a contender this year, especially losing Springer. Obviously, they don't have Verlander again from his Tommy John surgery. So, you know, I don't know how many people are expecting them to do really well this year. But these moves with the pieces with the, the state of the AL West, maybe keep you in it, uh, especially with the Brantley move that they couldn't afford to lose him. So um, some interesting stuff there, but uh, let's move on. We got a couple of uh, big moves in the uh, NL East as well. Um, we'll start off uh, with uh, the Nationals who made a couple moves this week. Um, the first one is, is not a very big move as they, You know, it's a very small contract. It's a veteran player, but uh, it's a guy who's been around a long time. Ryan Ryan Zimmerman. And this guy, he he signed a one-year, $1 million deal. This guy's a really good player and has been for a long time. He's 36 years old. He's a two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. Um, He's got a a career um, 38.2 wins above replacement, um, a 279 average, 343 on base, 475 slugging. Um, all solid numbers there. He's been a, a well above average hitter for his career. Uh, he didn't play this past year, uh, opted out because of COVID before the season. Uh, and this last couple of years hasn't been great. He, he's definitely aged. Um, he played first base now. He's famous for playing third base there for a long time. But he's a guy who um, you look at his um, career in Washington, 15 seasons. He's been there since the beginning. Um, you know, 2005 was his first year. He, he broke into the big leagues and i mean he has been with washington i believe that was actually washington's first year after moving from montreal so i think he's been there every single year since they've been in washington uh he he is the national you know
1: yeah yeah i was gonna say he was the nationals first ever draft pick yeah um was ryan zimmerman so he's been in the organization for 17 seasons pretty much
0: yeah so um just a, a really good player um, you know at this stage in his career he's probably a bench bat but it's worth mentioning you know him coming back he opted out this past year I'm sure you know if you people I'm sure he probably contemplated retirement um you know he came off that World Series but he's gonna give him give it another ride here this year um, for, for them and then uh, the other move the Nationals made a, a, a bigger move uh, when it comes to you know probably if the effect on that team this year uh, is Brad hand. Uh, he signed a one-year, ten million, ten $10.5 million dollar deal. Uh, that point five uh, was very interesting <laughs> for uh, for some for some reasons that uh, we'll get into in a minute. But uh, Brad Hand is a player, three-time All-Star. He's only thirty years old. Um, I I thought he was older than that. Um, he uh, has a career 3.65 ERA, 3.69 FIP, which is sounds pretty average for a reliever, but he did start his career as a starter for a, a pretty long period of time before moving to the bullpen where he has excelled. 2020 uh, was very good. And, and he's been good for the last four years out of the bullpen, four or five years. Um, 2020 he had a 205 ERA, a 137 FIP, but a 383 XFIP. And I went and looked into those numbers a little bit more because I, I thought that was pretty crazy discrepancies there and uh he got really lucky on fly balls this year um uh he uh you know probably should have given up a lot of home runs with the amount of fly balls he was getting and um you know maybe part of that played in cleveland and um you know i i'm not exactly sure what you know what the deal was there but um he uh definitely was a uh, was a guy who was giving up a lot of fly balls and that's after being a great ground ball pitcher he his, rate has dropped from 45 to 25 in the last, you know, two seasons ago. So, um, uh, you know, the last couple of years, he's been a pretty low, uh, you know, he has not had many, he hadn't gotten many grounders. So, uh, we'll see how that plays in, um, uh, in Washington. And, uh, but the guy strikes out a lot and he doesn't walk many. So, um, that's obviously things that you like to see if you're, uh, if you're the Washington nationals. So, yeah.
1: If you're if you're a Nationals fan, um, you know you obviously have to be excited about Ryan Zimmerman coming back. You know, fan favorite. Like like you said, he is Mister National. Um, and he's he's decent. I mean, he's been, you know, okay the last couple years. It's just more about who the player is to your team. Um, but Brad Hand, like you were talking about, that's going to be a fantastic signing. Um, you know, for the Nationals, they could use another back into the bullpen type guy. Um, you you mentioned. You know, when he started as a starter, well, that was with the Marlins, and they just kept using him as a starter. Once he finally got traded to the Padres, he moved to the bullpen full-time, and that's when his career's really taken off. Um, You know, since 2016, he had 292, 216, 275. His worst year is a 330 ERA, and his worst FIP in those years is a 320. So it's a guy who, you know, is very... Like you said, he, his ground ball rate has, has really dropped and his fly ball rate has really r- risen. But he's proven to be one of the better relief pitchers, especially for a left-hander. You know, left-hander relievers are hard to come by. And a guy like Brad Hand is, you know, he he's going to be a very valuable piece to the back end of that bullpen. He strikes out quite a bit of people. I mean, if you looking at his K per 9 for his career, it's 9.23. But ever since he's went to the bullpen, he hasn't had one under um 11 strikeouts per 9 and you know he loses command and walks people at sometimes um but i mean it's not it's not terrible it, it it's okay um and like you were mentioning the point 0.5 is because what was really interesting is when the Indians put him on waivers this year they put him on waivers for 1 year 10 million dollars is what his contract was and no team that was at the beginning of the offseason and no team claimed him so any team could have had him this offseason for 10 million dollars on one season and he ends up signing with the Nationals for $10.5 So he literally just signed for half a million more dollars, and any team could have had him for $10 million, pretty much. They just didn't want to take that chance.
0: Yeah, well, you know, one thing that's interesting about that, too, is, and, and it's probably an encouraging sign, is that I think teams at the very beginning of the offseason were extremely worried about what the revenue situation was going to look like. And I think if you, you know, I don't want to read too deep into that, but um, I think teams are maybe relaxing a little bit on it. They think thinking that we might start to see fans getting back into the stadiums mid season and, you know, in full crowds mid season, maybe, and, um, you know, have a full season of uh, baseball this year. I think there might've been some worry about that. You know, obviously when the off season started, you know, the vaccines hadn't come out yet to try to limit the pandemic. And obviously that's still going to be important for, for the beginning of the season, but there's just, you know, it's starting to look like a, a chance that we start to see, you know, revenues closer to getting closer to normal, you know, between midway and the second half of the season here this year. So, um, you know, some of the projections are kind of showing that we might be able to start to, uh, turn things around here by, you know, mid season. So, um, that might be an interesting note to look at, uh, maybe teams are thinking that that's something that's more attainable now. Um, but, uh, that was not the, these were, neither one of these were the biggest signing in the, um, were the biggest signing in the uh, National League East this this uh, this week? week. The, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The biggest one was definitely the one that the Phillies made. Um, it is a re-signing, which just tipped my hand as to who it is. But um, it's JT Realmuto, who is you know like like I talked about with spring when I was talk about springer. You know he's right up there for the biggest position player of the of this uh, off season. Um, you know, five year, 115 and dollar deal. He broke the AAV record for a, uh, catcher, um, that was held by Joe Maurer and he, uh, you know, he's a great player. Um, you look at his numbers and career 19 wins above replacement, um, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 was, we're, we're all very good for him over four wins above replacement, all three of those seasons, uh, 2019, he, he put up six wins above replacement almost, um, you know he's a solid hitter. He's a above average hitter. He's not an elite hitter, but he's he's very good. And uh, you know he's also a very good defender. He can run a little bit for a catcher. Um, you know he's athletic. He's uh, Got a good arm. Throws people out. Good game caller. He he he's exactly he's exactly what you want in a catcher, in my opinion. So, um, you know I like um I like JT Romuto, and I think the Phillies were very smart to bring him back.
1: Yeah, and if you look, I mean he like you said he's not going to be one of your elite elite hitters but still i mean at the catching position i mean yeah. 3 years before this year he was 278 277 275 a 332 on base 340 and a three twenty eight. i mean that's consistency that is consistently elite for the position that he plays Absolutely. and then this year he was even you know his batting average dropped to 266 but his on base went up to basically 350 so he was getting on base more. He just wasn't getting, you know, the hits that to to boost that average up. But still, that was only 47 games. So you're talking about over the course of a regular a full season, you know, he's going to play another 100 games on top of that. So you just add all that, and and, and those numbers are going to average themselves back out most likely with a guy like JT Ramuto. He's just consistent at what he does. And like you said, he for the defense that he plays and the athleticism he has at, at catcher, this deal, I mean, this deal is well-earned. He, he's going to be you know and his skill set i should say this his skill set isn't something that's really going to change much as he progresses in his career um you know he might not run as much but he doesn't run much now so maybe that just goes to a halt but you know he hits for a decent amount of power he hits for a decent amount of contact you know he doesn't he isn't he, he strikes out Almost 20% of the time so that you know that might be something where as he gets later on to his career he, he knocks that down by trying not to hit the ball in the air as much. but for the position at catcher, I know I'm saying that a lot, but when you look at the catching situation in, around major League baseball you, you have to have a different view of you know than any other position really because of the toll that that takes on your body that that is a very hard position to put these numbers up with consistently year in and year out.
0: Yeah, you know, you talk about that as well, signing a long-term deal for a catcher who is I believe he's he's 20, he's about to be 30, so you know, this this will take him through his age 35 season. Um, you know, talk about with the National League that the DH becoming a factor and whether or not they add the DH to the National League long term, which um, you know, cuz eventually you talk about with that taking a wear and tear on your body. Um, you'll want to have a, a guy who, who, with his bat, he could be a DH. I mean, he's not a, like I say, he's not an elite hitter, but he's still a very good hitter. Obviously, as a catcher, it's a, he's an incredible hitter, but, um, you know, you you could get to a point to where you might be able to DH him a little bit to save his body some once you get, um, you know, a year or two from now. But for right now, this is fantastic for the Phillies. Uh, they had to bring him back after, you know, what they traded um after they what they traded for him because you know you talk about Sixto Sanchez is starting to look like you know one of the uh future premier pitchers in the in baseball and um you know Jorge Alfaro is is a pretty solid catcher in his own right so you definitely don't want to trade uh those guys and then lose Real Muto without even going to the playoffs once you know so interesting moves um I like the uh I like the move there for the Phillies obviously Anytime you can bring back a great player like him, um, you're in a good position. Um, so uh, moving on, uh, we did have a, a couple trades uh, this week. Um, you know, not the biggest trades of the off season, but uh, the first one here uh, was a pretty big trade. Um, the New York Yankees uh, have made another move. They acquired uh, Jamison Tayon from uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, in exchange for four prospects. Um, they... Um, Their names are Miguel Yagiri – I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name – Rowanzi Contreras, Michael Escado, and Cannon Smith.
1: Yeah, you know, Tyone is – he's a guy who's dealt with injuries. He was a former – I believe he was picked number two overall. Yeah, picked number two overall in 2010. Um, he was, com- you know, about to break into the major leagues in 2015 when he ended up having to have surgery. I forgot what that one was for, um, but anyway, he then in 2016 he, I think it, the 2015 was a hernia actually. 2016 he comes in and then he ends up having, he gets injured again, um, and he's only really had one full season in the majors, and that was in but 2018 and he was really really good that year 3.20 ERA a 3.46 FIP you know almost four wins above replacement he's a guy who's never been able to stay healthy though he's always battled something you know he ended up battling testicular cancer at one point he's had two Tommy John surgeries he had a hernia at one point um you know he didn't pitch at all this season because of the Tommy Johns he had that in August of 2019 so it's a move that if if he's healthy you know he can be a really good solid major league pitcher most likely a 3 um in that rotation maybe a 4 depending on what how luis severino comes back but uh you know it's all going to be about a key to health for him um the good thing is he's only signed to a 2.5 million dollar contract this year he has arbitration again next year so he's not a free agent until
0: 2023 yeah um if tayon is healthy and you know back to his form of 2018, which I don't think his form ever really fallen off. But anytime you see a guy with uh, Tommy John surgery, that is going to be a concern. Um, but you know, he, he will be, a, this would be a very good trade. It, it is a little bit of a risky trade, um, because of, um, you know, just, he's coming off a lot of injuries and, uh, the Yankees didn't give up just nothing for him either. He, they gave up four guys who were going to slot into the pirates top 30, um, None of them are elite prospects, but all of them are, you know, guys that are, you know, at least have a legit shot at the major leagues. Um, Yajuri Yahuri, I'm not exactly sure how to say that name, but um, uh, him and 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 uh, Contreras are both uh, pretty good ca- uh, pitching prospects. Uh, both are real similar. They, they both have a, a above average uh, pitches uh, three or four across the board um, and, and good command. Um, Yajuri actually had a sub two percent walk rate over his last or sub two walks per nine sorry over his last uh two levels in 2019 which was uh high a and double a um he actually made his major league debut this year he pitched just uh, seven innings for the pirates but um or for the yankees excuse me but um he'll slot in as the number 11 prospect for the pirates uh Contreras, like i say very similar to usually maybe not quite as good on the uh, command side but still solid. Um, he's going to slot in as their number 15 prospect. Um, Escato, a, uh, tw- he's the number 20 prospect through. He's going to slot in for the pirates. Um, he's a second baseman has good raw power um, throws. Well, um, he's got some hit tool questions and uh cannon Smith is a guy who has uh, above average to plus raw power, uh, pretty good, you know, power across the board. Um, but, you know, he's this kind of similar. He's got a hit tool question. He's got a lot of swing and miss. um, And he's not a great runner and and thrower either. So, um, but, uh, you know, you would hope uh, he could potentially develop into a pretty solid uh, bat for the Pirates at some point. He he will slot in as their number 22 prospect. So uh, interesting stuff there um, in that trade. Um, But uh, we'll see. uh, We'll see how that works out. I really don't think we're going to find out too much on the – pirate side for a couple years, but Hey, maybe one of these guys, it seems like there's some, uh, pretty high ceiling guys in there. So we'll see what happens there. Um, one more trade just to briefly mention, uh, not a huge one, but, um, the, uh, it was, it was pretty big in the minds of, uh, some people in Boston and New York as, uh, Yankees made another deal, but they made it with the Red Sox, which was the first one. I think they'd made since ha- what, when did you say it was?
1: Uh, 2014 was the 2014,
0: last time. Okay. So they, they had been pretty recent, but they've only made a few s- since, you know, the early I 1900s. Was,
1: I was going to say, I think that's the first, 2014 was the first trade since like 1988 between the two or something. So it's only the second trade since then.
0: Yeah. So, uh, pretty crazy, but, um, the, uh, Yankees are sending Adam Adovino to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for, um, prospect, um. Frank Herman, um, Ottavino um, obviously had a really good 2018 in Colorado. Um, 2019 he was solid in New York. Uh, free agent at the end of this season, he's owed eight million dollars. And Herman um, is going to be the number 25 prospect for the Yankees. Um, he's got a good fastball. He doesn't have command, so probably a reliever there, uh, potential to, to slot in nicely in the bullpen. So.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Ottavino. He's had a couple years where he's really struggled, but he's been a solid reliever. I mean, you know, in 2016, he had a 263 ERA, three on the dot FIP. That was in Colorado. So that's a very fantastic season for pitching in, you know, in Colorado. 2017, he bounced back to, you know, or not bounced back, he, he went back to what most pitchers look like in Colorado with the 506 ERA, 243 the next year. You know, his first year in, in, the pinstripes, he had one ninety ERA, a three forty four FIP, which is you know, his that FIP was a little higher than what his career number um, was going into that year. Um, you know, and then this year he really struggled. I mean it was only an eighteen inning, so a small sample size for a lever really, but he had a five eighty nine ERA, a three fifty two FIP. Um, you know there's not much he's gonna do for the Red Sox. I mean, they just kind of are looking for arms to fill in right now. I, I don't think that they're gonna be a serious contender unless they make some some pretty big moves, like you know maybe acquiring a guy like Mookie Betts. Maybe. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just had to throw that in there. But uh, you know, oh, and one more thing, I, we forgot to mention just because we're talking about the Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox signed Kike Hernandez this week. Totally forgot oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, as a Dodger fan, that one hurts a lot. So I don't. I. It's very easy yeah. for me to forget. Um, you know, so he's going to be a utility bat for them, but, uh, or, or play second base most likely, but just throw that in there. But, um, you know, it, it was more of a depth trade that the Yankees needed to clear spots so they could f- uh, formally announce the signings of Corey Kluber and DJ LeMayhew. So they had to get somebody off the roster and Otto Vino for 9 million kind of just made sense to kind of kick off. And that also helps their luxury tax number.
0: Yeah, that, that definitely is going to help the Yankees with, uh, some of their, um, some of their money stuff and everything. Um, but, uh, I mean, Ottavino's a guy who, you know, if Boston's not in it, they can flip him at the deadline. And I don't believe that they will be in it, but, um, we'll see. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much, uh, out of all the list of, uh, free agent and trade moves this week, that's pretty much all of them. So, uh, you know, we've got a few more minutes here uh, before we run out too much over time, and um, you know, I kind of wanted to discuss just briefly uh, what you think about, um, you know, where where everyone stands and where you think um, who do you think needs to make some more moves here before the season starts. Um, you know, we've got a few free agents left out there. Trevor Bauer still out there. Um, you've got a. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Turner still out there. There were some rumors about him today. Um, Jock Peterson still out there. There's there's the potential for a couple more, uh, you know, a couple more guys to be traded. Maybe a Jose Ramirez could be moved. Uh, Chris Bryant still out there. Wilson Contreras is still out there. There's been talk about both of those guys being traded. So uh, what what do you think? Uh, you know, maybe now that we're getting closer, honestly, you know, if spring training starts on time, which you know we're a little unsure of right now, um, it'll only be a few weeks. So uh, what, are, what are we thinking here?
1: Um, you know, one team in the NL Central needs to make a move. You know, right now we still, both still say that the Cubs are probably the team to beat. Um, you know, one of those teams need to make their, their move for it. Are the Cubs really going to go for it this year? Um, you know, are the Cardinals going to bring back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and, and maybe another move to, you know, fill in that second base hole since they let Colton Wong, Wong go? You know, Milwaukee, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. I don't think Milwaukee's a serious threat right now. Um, You know, maybe if they sign a a couple hitters, I mean, they have multiple holes in that lineup that they need to address at first base, um, third base, even maybe possibly shortstop, and outfielder, um, you know. And then they, they really need to address pitching as well. So, I mean, if they want to do something... Um, as far as the American League is, is concerned, you know, the Angels, for sure, they need to find more pitching. You know, they have a very good lineup. They're very de- good defensively. Um, but their, their starting rotation and their bullpen needs a lot of help. Um, so, you know, maybe do they go make a move for Trevor Bauer or something? Um, You know, and maybe the Blue Jays, Uh, you know, we've talked about them getting Simeon Springer and Yates, and that's good for them, but they could still use a starting pitcher. They could still use, you know, maybe it's not, they don't play on Trevor Bauer now, but maybe if you play in a James Paxton or, or Jake Odorizzi level guy, and then maybe if you can get another bullpen arm, you know, they lost Anthony Bass, Ken Giles, Um, you know, they're really high on Deleese and you have Yates now, but you can use another guy in that bullpen that can really, um, You know, eat some innings, not eat innings, but that can be a solid reliever for you yeah I, th- I think those are some good names
0: uh I think you could add maybe the maybe the Braves to it um, you know they made a couple of pretty good moves at the beginning of the off season, but they've really been quiet since then while the other teams in the division have added a lot um you know the the Mets have added you know Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco that was huge um, and they're still in on other free agents as well uh, you know the Phillies uh, haven't added too much they added Archie Bradley but they're bringing back Real Muto and they're going to be pretty big players this coming up season. Uh, the Nationals have added, you know, Schwarber, Zimmerman back. Uh, they added Hand. Um, you know, they've added some guy Lester, they've added some guys. Um, you know, the Braves added uh, Charlie Morton at the beginning of the offseason, and they, they added, um, you know, a guy like – um they added Drew Smiley, who, who was really good last year. But, you know, I think the – the hope would be for, for many Braves fans. They were one game away from the world series last year and you would think that they might add, you know, a bat to help improve their lineup. Cause they lost Marcelo Ozuna and it might be Ozuna coming back, but right now that seems fairly unlikely. So, you know, are they going to add a, a guy via trade? You know, there's been some small rumblings about maybe Jose Ramirez out there for, for the Braves as a potential trade target, uh, which would be a, a game changer. Really? But, um, you know, other than that, I think uh, the Angels, like you said, uh, you know, you've got a really good core of players. You got Trevor. I mean, you got Mike Trout. You've got um, Anthony Rendon and they still got some pretty good players to go along with them in the lineup. I know Justin Upton struggled last year, but he's always been a pretty good player. Um, You you see you've got another guy in, um, you know, David Fletcher, who's had a couple of pretty good seasons. I mean, there, there's some, there's some stuff there. Uh, they added Jose Quintana this week, obviously, but I would like to see them add another big time pitcher. Um, I don't know what Otani's going to do, if he's going to end up pitching on the mound at any point in the future, but, uh, you know, I think you would like to see them maybe be the team in there for Trevor Bauer. Um, that'd be very interesting. And, um, I think, uh, I think, and like you said, the NL Central, somebody needs to make a move. I'm higher on the Brewers than you are. I think you could see, you know, if you could see a Christian Yelich bounce back, you could see Keston Hira, you know, really pick it up this year, um, you know, improve on his, you know, he's got a lot of talent, you know, he had a down year in his second season after being a really good as a rookie. You, you could see maybe, uh, you know, Lorenzo Cain playing well this year. And they've got two great starting pitchers, plus a bullpen that still includes Josh Hader. And uh, some other really good, nice guy, Devin Williams. Some other really good players. So I think you um, you still got a team there that if you add some depth pieces could be solid. Although, uh, you know, I don't consider as uh, you know we were talking about it earlier. I don't consider them World Series contenders. I do consider them um, maybe as a uh, you know they're gonna they're they're a very likely playoff team. I mean, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't pick them at the moment in the NL Central. But the Cubs are still talking about trading Bryant and. Contreras and everybody. And the, you know, the Cardinals don't seem to really be making too many moves and the Pirates are bad. So, you know, the Reds have cast away a lot of their key pieces from last year. So, you know, I, I could definitely see that being a place that you know, maybe the Brewers add a couple pieces late in this offseason. Um, you know, that that was one of the places rumored that might be in on Justin Turner. Maybe they give Justin Turner that three or four year deal that the Dodgers are kind of uh, not sure about. So we'll see what's going to happen. It's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, last uh last few weeks of the off season and you know spring training is not too far off i don't think anybody's really paying too much attention to it but if it starts on time you know middle of february you know we're at the end of january so next episode we do will be in february
1: right it's uh the off season is it's dwindling down to an end and we're finally starting to see that by the amount of moves that are happening so hopefully this keeps up because it makes shows really easy to to talk about and and not have to (laughs) fill too much space with you know so it feels it feels good that we're we're getting close to having baseball back potentially if unless uh, Arizona has something to say about it cuz they don't seem to be too happy about things right now but anyways I don't have anything else do you got anything else
0: Oh, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I like I would have liked to have talked more about Hank Aaron this week. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that in the future. And, uh, you know, I, I think at some point in the next, you know, month or two, some of these moves will slow down a little bit once we spring training starts. There won't be quite as much to talk about. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the, the Hall of Fame ballot and uh, what happened there with nobody getting in and who we might have put on that ballot. But um, I thought that was very um, – interesting to say the least that uh nobody got put in the hall of fame this year so uh, but that's a different story for a different day um and uh we'll uh we'll talk about it at some point i'm sure but um i'm excited uh it won't be too much longer till we can you know we still got some big free agents out there um that can change things up but it won't be too much longer till it you know
1: turns into prediction season and i think we both like that so yeah and uh and you know if one of these weeks where we also have a slow week we'll uh, we'll go back over our fifteen predictions that we picked um, you know, when the off season started and, and hit back to those. So that'll be interesting as well. And definitely the you can go on with about the Hall of Fame for an entire episode about what our ballots would be and, and what's wrong with that system. But but we'll leave that to another time and uh, you know, I think this has been a pretty jam packed episode, so you know, it's been a fun one, but we'll uh we'll catch you guys next week.
0: Yeah, thanks for tuning in.